Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Hardwood Nations podcast with your boy CL Anthony and my little white buddy Bryce. What's going on, Bryce? Not much. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I mean, I almost fucked up that intro, but we got through it. That that one I almost messed up. Last week or the week before last, I nailed it, but <laughs> that one I got a little nervous on. <laughs> good week for you. you good week good. for the Huh? No, you did good, man. Hey, so I know it's been a good week for you, good week for the NBA, um, good week for the Brooklyn Nets <laughs> last night, especially uh, taking game one of the series against the Milwaukee Bucks. A uh, couple of observations that I have about that game outside of James Harden being lost with a hamstring issue again. My key to this series is going to be the matchup between Brooke Lopez and Blake Griffin. Uh, I haven't watched a lot of the Nets this season. I had no idea that Blake Griffin was playing center for uh, Brooklyn. Um, we know how big Brooke Lopez is and how big he can play, especially against what we just saw with, with against the Miami Heat. So that's going to be my key to this series. The funny thing is, Brooke Lopez ended up with 19 points. Blake Griffin had 18 points. But Blake Griffin had 14 rebounds. Brooke Lopez only had five. So I think that's going to be the key to, the, to this series um, as to which team will come out on top. What do you think about Brooke Lopez's uh, contribution as well as Blake Griffin's contribution to this series? Well, <clears throat> I didn't see Blake Griffin quite contributing the way he did, especially early on in the season. Um, you know, like his uh, – the way he was playing with Detroit was, uh, I don't know, like lackluster, or maybe he was still experiencing pain or something. I don't know, you know. But <clears throat> it definitely seems way different, uh, like the effort he's putting on the court. Um, I mean, and it is a playoff game. But, yeah, he uh, – I mean, he was the standout yesterday for Brooklyn. And with Harden going down – you know, you're going to need someone to step – you you know, you're going to need some of the other players to just bring up their game a little bit to try to make up for what he's bringing. But, I mean, Blake had a great game, I mean, by all – by his standards right now. And um, do I agree, like, if him and Brooke are going to be, like, the deciding factors? It's hard for me to see – like Brooke Lopez having that kind of a, a factor on it. I could see like Blake Griffin a few years ago, but it's like we're getting down to our like third options here. It's like, I, I guess, I, I guess they're going to affect it that much. It's just hard for me to think Brooke Lopez is going to affect the series that much, even though he, he did affect the, um, the Miami series just by having that big body in there. Well, yeah, I he, mean, he, so he, he's the biggest body. That's a tough question. Yeah, he, he's the biggest body on the court. And in the beginning of the game yesterday, in the first half, he was really dominant outside of his rebound numbers. But Brooklyn can still counter by bringing in uh, DeAndre Jordan. So they can still counter him. Yesterday, they didn't do it as much because Blake mm -hmm. Griffin was quicker to the rebounds than Brooke Lopez was. But if, if in the event that Brooke Lopez can control the rebounds, uh, Milwaukee's going to have a huge advantage. But like I said, the Nets can still counter. So let's just see how long that happens. But kudos to Brooklyn, kudos to Blake Griffin, because he did kind of phone it in in Detroit. But now he's showing that he wants it. So that's good. Kyrie's 1-1. One, one. Kevin Durant's 1-2. We know James Harden hasn't, but he's not there. So, yeah, Blake Griffin has to be the hungriest one of the three right now <laughs> by virtue of him not winning the championship yet. But, again, kudos <laughs> to the Nets. And uh, let's see how Brooklyn uh, – uh, excuse me, how Milwaukee comes back. But Brooklyn did what they were supposed to do. They won the first home game. Let's see if they win the second one or if Milwaukee can take it from them. So It's going to be a tough series. I'm mm. glad to see Blake is playing well, though, because, like, you know, uh, unfortunately he just started, like, getting injured and at a time in his career where he started falling off instead of, you know, making an impact. So I, I'm glad to see, you know, he's still got something in the tank. And, you know, for Rick Lopez, he, uh, he's been around for a while, but he's got to start. I mean, five rebounds isn't enough, you know, yeah. especially with the way that, um, that, uh, Milwaukee team can kind of capitalize off of those rebounds. So I don't know. It's going to be a great series. Um, I think, 
I'm gonna pick Brooklyn. Who's your pick? Oh, Brooklyn. I got, I got, Brooklyn, I got Brooklyn in six. Gotcha. So, sorry, I was texting Kevin. Let him know that we're doing double duty today. I texted him yesterday just to give him a heads up. That's why. That's why I got my my energy. Where is it? There it is. Got my energy drink today, so I'm doing double duty. <laughs> You're gonna need another one to deal with Kevin. Kevin's awesome. <laughs> No, no, I'm just saying he's high energy, man. He is our, yeah, he is our. Look, this is for the Heat Lifers podcast that we're going to record later on today. I'm going to do what you suggested, Bryce, because I know Kevin's kind of like Skip Bailey. You give him a one topic and just let him go. So I'm just going to say, Kevin, what does Miami have to do? Mm-hmm. And just let him go. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to do that That's for your the whole Heat. podcast right there. That's going to be the whole podcast, yo. And it's going to be so passionate, too. All right, so speak, speaking of the Miami Heat, <laughs> since we last recorded, they got eliminated by the Milwaukee Bucks. They got swept in four games. I know you wanted to know how I felt about that, and I kind of touched on it a little bit um, last week with our special edition podcast that only three people saw, apparently. <laughs> but with that said, um, there's going to be sweeping, sweeping, sweeping changes for Miami. Um, as I said in that video, five to seven players are going to be traded. Um, Pat Riley has indicated in his uh, post his postseason address that I saw yesterday that there are going to be big changes coming to Miami. But he did say our core is Jimmy Butler, Bam Adebayo, and then unfortunately Tyler Hero. So he said that's going to be the core. I need Tyler gone. I, I've made no mistake about it. Anyone who asks me, I I need him gone. But that's who Pat Riley sees as the core moving forward. That's what we're going to have to deal with. In other news, the Los Angeles Lakers, the other NBA finalists from last year, also got eliminated by the Phoenix Suns. Tell me your thoughts about that series first, and then secondly, we'll get into the Anthony Davis situation. Um, I picked the Lakers to win that series. When AD went down, I knew they couldn't win that series. Um, I brought it up to you. I said, it's... It would, it would be different if the Lakers went in as the number one or two seed and they were playing number eight, Phoenix. You know, it's a different mentality, but that's not the case. Phoenix has been good all year. They've been uh, number one or two most of the season, and they played with the confidence like they could beat them with AD anyways. But when he went down, to me, there was no question on who was going to win that series. Um, you had like <clears throat> the leadership of Chris Paul to make sure they didn't fall into the dumb kind of traps and situations a young team might fall into to make that series more dramatic. So I think having him there helped to solidify it, even though, you know, with the arm injury, he was a little um, not at 100 percent, I guess you could say. But Devin Booker played well enough to where and the rest of that team, Aiton, um <clears throat> You know, they played like they were supposed to, and Devin Booker let or <clears throat> lit the arena on fire almost every game. So um, kudos to those guys. They deserve to be there. They deserve to be probably in the Western Finals. But the, this series is going to be tough. This next series is going to be way tough for them, so both teams. But <clears throat> I think a lot of it has to do with uh, the, the quick turnaround for this season. You know, those two teams had to play longer and deeper, the Heat and the Lakers, um, than any other team and then turn right around. I think the fact they were both there last year is – I know Lakers fans expected the Lakers to be there, but I didn't expect them to win the championship their first year. So it's kind of like they're ahead of pace, and then no one expected the Miami Heat to be in the finals last year. So that one hurts. Uh, If you're a Heat fan, I think a little bit more because you didn't get the championship and you took a big step back this year. But at least you have a clear picture of what the GM wants to do and the direction he wants to go in. I'm not sure I agree with Tyler Hero being as like one of the three major pieces. And maybe it's a little early, but I'm not sure Bam is that anymore either. So uh, uh, I, you guys have a lot of questions to answer. You know, I think that's, it's going to be a tough offseason. Well, Bam can be that, but he wouldn't be the second option. He would be the third option. Uh, we need to bring in a second option. 
So I think that's what they're going to explore uh, this offseason. I mean, every every offseason you hear the heat and all these damn rumors and shit. It's, it's, it's like, whatever. I don't care until it happens. So we've already heard them being tied to Kawhi. We've already heard that they've called Portland about Dame um, and even talked to the Bulls about Zach Levine. So my my opinion is this. As a longtime Heat fan, Bam Adebayo is not a second go-to guy. He's just not. Not yet. He's he's a third go-to guy. Um, they asked Pat Riley yesterday, do they think Bam should start shooting threes? And I just I'm like in my head, like, oh fuck no, 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 we don't need that. We don't need that from him. We need him to play big. Now he's not the biggest guy on the court, but we need him to play that way. We need him to play big, and you can do it. Um, but he's a third option, so we need to find us a good second option to complement Jimmy Butler because um, Jimmy does all things and he needs, he does all things, but he still needs help. And unfortunately, Bam <laughs> didn't give him the amount of help. Unfortunately, Tyler Hero disappeared completely against Milwaukee. So for whatever reasons, be it tired, be it injuries, they didn't show up this year. So there, there's going to be some changes. And the good thing about Miami is we only have five players <laughs> who have a guaranteed roster spot going into the season. So that gives us a lot of flexibility. Um, as far as the Lakers, LeBron did mention, Hey, you know, these two teams, you know, we went deep, like you said, into the playoffs, tired injuries, whatever. And we did talk about this the other day. And I forgot to mention that I saw LeBron physically more worn out in this series than I've ever seen him before. That could be age along with playing in a bubble as deep as, uh, as deep as he did. So let me ask you this question. We know, you know, we're not Bron sexuals, as Cortez can say. We know LeBron James is at the end of his career. No no one wants to talk about it. The guy probably has three to four years left is pushing it, maybe two to three years left. He is at the end of his career. Do you think we can see prime LeBron anymore? Because they needed prime LeBron in this series, and he just couldn't, he couldn't rise to that level. So do you think we're done seeing prime LeBron? I <clears throat> Yeah, it's like the the Barclays uh, quote. It's um, and it's still great. Like if you look at like LeBron's seasonal stats, he's still like he's up there in the top one percent of players or whatever. To you know, it's still impressive. But he's not. I don't know unless it's against a really bad team if he has what it takes just on his own to have greatness for a series. You know, you can't. It's just too much to ask for him at this point. Yeah, I do agree with that. I don't know how many seasons he's got left because, I mean, we just don't know the capacity in which he wants to keep playing and everything. But I would initially agree three to four seasons with minutes and impact kind of winding down a little bit and depending on how injured he gets. But you got to think he's going to be in the playoffs every year. He is going to play that extended time every year. but, yeah, it is time for him to start winding down a little bit, unfortunately. Um, the Lakers probably only have another couple seasons to really capitalize and get a championship with him. But <clears throat> I don't think he, he can be great all the time and lead the team by himself. He can still have great nights, like Barkley said. <clears throat> but he's, he can't keep up that production, the age thing. It's just gonna catch up to him. It happens. Yeah, I, I I'm a proponent of allowing athletes to age gracefully. Um, as you know, I'm a big LeBron James critic, but he deserves the right to age gracefully. And, and just to drop that Barkley quote again, uh, well, I can't talk to that. To drop that Barkley quote again because it was so profound. At the end of his career, he said he's not a great player anymore, but some nights he can still be great. And I think that's how we have to look at LeBron James. And a funny story is, you know, when Shaq was in Miami, even though he played a few years in Phoenix and even one year in Boston after his Miami years, his last dominant stretch was when he was in Miami. And he started playing horrible. We were talking about Shaquille O'Neal, but he, he would have some games where he would score 10 points, 15 points. His career average was like 29, okay? So, but Shaq would have about five games a year where he would have to play against a rookie center and then he would drop 30 and 20 and then everybody's like, oh, Shaq's back, Shaq's back. And then the next game he's like 15 points again. 
So yeah, LeBron LeBron deserves to age gracefully, to age out, and I think that process is starting now. Um, because I'm telling you, he was asking out of the game. He asked out of the game twice in the fourth quarter. Like, he was gassed in that elimination game. Um, but kudos to Phoenix, though. Absolutely, they they took it. Devin Booker reminds me of Paul Pierce, just just a half a step faster than Pierce, though. But he can get to any spot that he wants on the court, like Pierce could. And just, just knock it down. Um, so that's who he reminds me of. Bigger issue. An issue that I had, a situation I had a huge issue with was Anthony Davis trying to play uh, in game six. That is a three to four week injury. That is not a two to three day injury. So for the medical staff of the Lakers, they said the medical staff cleared him to try to play. That is a huge issue. Either it's a lie or they're incompetent. It shouldn't have happened. Um, how do you feel about Anthony Davis trying to play um, with that injury? Um, from Davis's perspective, I get <clears throat> at least trying to get on the court and seeing what it felt like, you know. Uh, but with that being said, it should have ended earlier in the day at the mm-hmm. practice facility. Once they actually saw Davis moving, unless – Unless they gave him something, he moved better earlier. What I saw on the court, there is no way he should have made it out of like a practice facility. They, right. He shouldn't have been. He shouldn't have been dressed ready to go, because it didn't take it didn't take a lot to see like a few movements from him and to see how uncomfortable and how right. limited he was. And that was just the eye test on you know on TV. So, um, you know. How, I don't know what kind of pressure these medical teams get from the higher ups or the management and, you know, the team ownership. But my opinion is either he, he shouldn't even have been dressed for the game. Like if you saw him earlier in the day, there's no reason why you should have cleared him. I don't know why they did. If they're like you said, incompetent, if they were told they need to, it could have been a morale thing where AD just wanted to say, I just want to try, maybe, you know, get my teammates pumped. You know, if you're an athlete, if you're competitive, you want to, no matter what, you want to say, I, I want to go, even if you know you can't. Like I said, it could have been a morale boost thing, but he shouldn't have actually been on the court, in my opinion. Right. He shouldn't right. even gotten that close. But yeah. I, I don't know the reasoning. I just, I, I disagreed with it the moment I saw it. I was like, there's no way. I mean, there's no way he can play. So why, why risk having your <clears throat> number one player on your team basically going forward? Why would you even risk it? It's too much of a risk. Yeah, and and, and the thing is, and a lot of people aren't talking about this. Davis played the first five minutes of that game, and the Lakers never led the game. So Phoenix led from start until finish. And for those first five minutes, Phoenix was attacking Davis. He couldn't move backwards. He couldn't move laterally. He could move forward a little bit. But every time he moved, he was grabbing his groin. So the way I look at it is, and a lot of people haven't talked about this, if they wouldn't have played Davis from the beginning, that might have would have gave the Lakers a better shot of winning that game if they would have had a different game plan. But once Phoenix saw Davis out there, they attacked him so hard and jumped out. They had a 22-point lead at the end of the first quarter and pushed it up to 29 in the second quarter. This is crazy. They had so much momentum just because of the start of the game where they kept attacking Davis. And like, these are fucking idiots to have him out there from the coaching staff to the medical staff. He shouldn't have played, period. He should not have played. And they have bigs. They have big. Drummond didn't even play that game. You have bigs. You didn't have to play Anthony Davis. You just didn't. It was ridiculous. I know, man. I couldn't believe he was out there. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. And I, I know the Lakers are a Class A organization. Um, no shots to them. But somebody has to really look at that. Somebody has to look at that. And uh, <laughs> to put a cap on this, yesterday I saw Magic Johnson kind of ether <laughs> Dennis Schroeder. Did you see that? Mm-mm. Okay, Magic Johnson said that that guy's not Laker material and he doesn't fit with the team, doesn't even need to be with the team. Yeah. going forward so magic still even though he he's not in front office anymore he still owns a little bit of the team 
and has some pull behind the scenes. So I thought that was damning for Magic to come out and, and single out this kid. Um, yeah, for real. I was, I was like, wow. <laughs> All right. Another main topic that we have. The world knows our love for Portland and, and Damian Lillard. So Lillard got sent home immediately after uh, the organization <laughs> head coach Terry Stotts mutually agreed to part ways, but we we know what that means. He's like, we don't want you back, so we're just going to say that we're parting ways. We're not going to say we fired you, but that's what we did. All right, so how do you feel about the future of the Portland Trailblazers now without T- Terry Stotts as the head coach, and do you think Dame should finally move on? Uh, I think Dame should move on. Uh, was that coach there the whole time Dame was there, or was Dame there longer? No, nah, that, that there may be a year or so of overlapping, but Terry Stotts has been there for nine years. Okay. So <clears throat> I think that's a big sign, too, that maybe Dame should move on. I know sometimes just the coaching change can do a lot, but I think just currently constructed, that team is still just missing something. Um, and they haven't, and they haven't been able to figure that out. Um, I know so far Dame in his entire career has been loyal to them, so it wouldn't surprise me. But just as a Lillard fan, I'd like to see him go someplace else and just try something different because it's just that Portland can almost like fool you thinking they added something or changed something better, but really. They've only had one season where they they were really getting close to having a championship caliber team. Just one year. Uh, I mean, they've made the playoffs and stuff, but I mean, what what good is that really? You you kind of stay stagnant if you're at the bottom of that playoff tier and you can't you can't make it out of the first round, right? You're just sure. stuck there. So I hate to see that for a, with for a guy that's as talented as Lillard. You know, uh, he's clearly been loyal so it's not on him you know I'd like to see him try something else but I mean he he made it clear who he wanted as a coach so that makes me think he's just gonna stay but how much is having Jason Kidd there gonna change the culture and the situation enough to where you don't get bumped from the first round anymore like that's that's not the only thing they have to worry about I mean so I, I don't know what else they're going to do. Uh, Jason Kidd hasn't proven that he's a good coach. The, the only thing Jason Kidd has proven is that whoever the hell his agent is, is spectacular. He has a great agent. Um, Jason Kidd didn't work out in Brooklyn when he had the old heads there. He definitely didn't work out in Milwaukee when he clashed with Giannis. I, I don't know Dame's affection for Jason Kidd. I, I don't. If you can't coach Giannis and can't get along with Giannis, who's one of the nicer guys in the league, how the fuck do you think you're going to get along with Dave? Like, I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand this attraction to Jason Kidd. I, I've never understood him, even as a coach. So, Portland's, they may try to placate him and get Kidd there, but you know, Kidd's going to try. Jason Kidd is very selfish. Let me just let me just put it out there. He's very selfish. He's been selfish since he was a rookie in this league, fucking his teammate's girlfriend. He Jason Kidd's been selfish his whole career. Now that Jason Kidd knows that Damian wants him, he's gonna try to bleed Portland dry as far as a big money contract. So now will Portland go for that? I don't know. So if Portland doesn't go for it, then they're gonna have to move Dame because Dame's gonna be like, Well, I told you who I wanted, and you won't pull up the money to get him. So it it's a dicey situation. We both think Dame should move on. Um, three teams I know have called the Knicks, the Heat, the Clippers have all called Portland already about Dame. I think he should move on, but I just don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think Jason Kidd is the guy that can make a huge impact there for that team. What I will say is that that GM has been there forever, so the owner needs to take a look at him. And I believe the owner is still Paul Allen. He needs to take a look at Neil, Neil O'Shea, who is the GM, and be like, look, what have you done lately? Because <laughs> you've been here forever. You're the one that built these teams that Terry Stotts had to coach. You, you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's but, who I'd be questioning because it seems like they've never taken that big move, that big risk. Look, you've had Dame this long. Swing for the fences 
at least right. once or twice on someone else. I know you guys like McCollum. All right, I get that. I know he can he can ball, but that one two punch isn't enough. And uh, uh, getting uh, B list big men who decide to play one game and not the next, or doesn't have like a prolific career, you know, Nurchik's okay. You know, uh, what's the other guy they picked up for the Heat from the Wild? Uh, Whiteside. You know, yeah, he was okay for a little, for a little yeah, while. You yeah. know, but they need a significant another piece and it, you don't try it they just try little things every, well how long has the gm been there you know you're gonna tell me you can't get someone else in in that amount of time look how many t- teams harden alone has been on i mean take a pick <laughs> of players in the league how many did you really like put your neck out to try to get because i would be looking at him pretty pretty hard if i'm if, if i'm the blazers because it just seems like they're wasting dame's career yeah, yeah. Like I said, the GM's been there a long time, and, and I saw something else to put a cap on this topic. I, I saw something that was really neat. Um, Lamarcus Aldridge, and I'm paraphrasing, said that he wished that he would have been closer with Dame during their their brief time together. So I thought that was that was a little neat because when Lamarcus Aldridge left, there was a rift between those guys. So for him to acknowledge that now that his career is over, I thought that was pretty neat. And maybe those guys can reconnect, and maybe uh, Aldridge can get a position in the front office. Uh, somewhere as like an intern or something with Portland because he was a big part of that team early on. Um, like they early on they tried, you know, with Greg Olden, with with Brandon Roy, who was spectacular mm-hmm. before his knees failed him. It, you know, they did try, but they didn't try hard enough. So Aldridge right. seemed like the last big attempt they tried to pair another guy with Dame, but Aldridge wasn't in the beginning or middle of his career he was at the tail end of it yeah he was getting to the end here yeah um so we had we had a surprise yesterday and i know this one hits home to you we, we had a little surprise <laughs> yesterday um we know the orlando magic started cleaning house this year made some big moves at the trade deadline to detonate the team and uh, apparently uh head coach steve clifford didn't understand it didn't like it and had conversations with ownership and management over the last several weeks and then both sides i don't know why i can't talk today both sides uh came to the conclusion that they need to go their separate ways how do you feel about that well i was kind of hoping clifford would stick around i i I like that he has generally with the lineups he's been given i felt like has found success for the magic um, since he's been there. So I, I never had a problem with him. I can understand him not wanting to go through another rebuild process like the magic, like the front office were trying to construct. So mm-hmm. I don't blame him. It's not the Scott Styles situation all over again. So at least this one ended. You know, he was here for a while. He tried his thing. We couldn't stay healthy. When we had the team, I, I felt like he did a good job. So um, I hate to see him go because I liked him, um, but I get why he wants to. And if he wants to, then they need to, you know, that needed to happen. I don't, I don't want someone here who doesn't want to be here. We got another young core. You know, uh, if you're going to do it, this is the time to do it. So um, uh, it was a little unexpected, but, I mean, what are you going to do? It's It went as well as you could hope, I guess, and, I mean – if the rumors are true about who they're looking into, you know, the magic to replace him, then we'll just have to wait and see. But, you know, I guess the the rumor is, what's that guy's Tots? What's his name? Yeah, Stotts, yeah. Stotts, my bad. So that's why I was asking if he was there the whole time Dame was, because um, we're going to have young guys that need some direction. He's going to have to pick the who's who and – you know, set up, if, if that's who we get, you know, that I'll be happy with that for now to see what the team does. It's just everything's a toss-up for the Magic. You don't know who we're going to get in the draft because you just don't know yet. Um, we don't have a head coach anymore. Uh, and we have a bunch of injuries still, even with our younger guys, that we know they're going to try to keep. So uh, Magic fans need to really temper those expectations again for next year because it's going to be – it's just going to be a mess. 
is how I feel. Well, they they won't because they're magic fans and they're irrational. But I, I can imagine the the conversation going like this where Stephen Clifford went into the front office and was like, I didn't sign up for this shit. Well, y'all blew up the team. This is not what I signed up for. <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? Uh, well, I, it I, said, I, you signed up for a team that was already in disarray. If you didn't think this could happen, you're just acting dumb. Like, See you later. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this. The the brain trust you guys have, of course, come from Milwaukee. Um, they used to have mm-hmm. Terry Stotts in Milwaukee, so there's, there's a connection there. Um, some Magic fans are clamoring for Penny Hardaway, who's coaching Memphis in, um, in college ball right now. They're clamoring for Penny Hardaway to come back and be the head coach. I don't think that's the route you need to go right now with, with an unproven team and an unproven coach. I don't think that's the <laughs> that's not the route to go. Um, but <sighs> nothing's working right now. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm shocked that Clifford decided to go. I'm really shocked by that. Um, I've said this to you. I've said this to Gerald, who's a Magic fan. I think I've even said this to Cortez. As long as Alex Martins is running that team, they won't be successful as far as on the basketball court. They just won't. Off the court, he's a great businessman. I get it. As far as basketball operations, he needs to be gone. That's that's just the beginning and end of it. It needs to be gone. Sometimes you can't run a professional sports organization like a business. You have to have some basketball guys in there. And what I mean is even above the front office, like you – you have to have some basketball guys or have an advisor to who's ever running things. And he's, he's shown over the last few years that it's just not worth It's not, how many coaches have you guys been through? How many times have you guys blown up the team? So. Yeah, I know. I know that it, it would definitely help if that, if that were to happen, but it's like, um, I, I don't even think it's gotten like, since the Dwight Howard era, it's like never gotten that far. It's like mm-hmm. to me, uh, most of the weight should come down onto the GM and those front offices. And uh, I'm talking about pre when we got the Milwaukee crew in there because that set us back a long time. So uh, I think Martin should take some blame for that, like how they rearranged and put people in power for a while. I think we have the right team of management in there right now to kind of make some okay decisions. We'll, we'll see going forward. Um, but I don't know how they structure their money and how they spend their money. But it seems like when the Magic were good, they were willing to spend money and do things to in an effort to try to keep them good. You know, like they tried to be competitive even though they made terrible decisions on where to spend that money, like on the players and stuff. But the team, they were like, it seemed like attempting to stay competitive and good. So I like, I don't know what Alex Martin does that other teams don't or what he doesn't do that other teams do, but I don't know how much of it is that compared to the disarray that the front office has had until recently down to the coach changes, which I contribute back up to the the management, like the GM and everything you have for a while. I mean, Hennigan set us back for another five to six, seven years. And so I just don't know how much of that should fall on the Alex Martins. I'm not saying we don't need a change there. I'm just saying like what I see is like below Martins down was the problem. And I thought Steve Clifford was going to be part of that solution. And he was for a while. And I thought this Milwaukee, like, group that, you know, came from there, I thought they would add some clarity and some, like, just normal normal feeling to the Magic. And for the most part, they have it outside of the injuries. But from the bottom to the top, it seems like the Magic have needed a change. And like I said, I don't know how much of it falls on Martins. I know we've had that talk and how you feel. I just don't know how it works enough to say that guy needs to be gone when I, I've had so many questions about the coaching before and the the management staff before. So it's like, in my eyes, we have to go up the ladder before we get up to Martins to know like that for sure is the problem to me. 
when I see all these other problems they've had, you know, I'm not saying you're right or wrong. I'm just saying like, to me, before we even get up to that high on the list of the problems, I feel like there's these underlying issues that the magic have to get figured out before you can without a doubt be like, well, this guy is completely wrong in how he's running the, the money of the team. Well, here's, here's the structure. So you have the DeVos family. I know, uh, Papa DeVos died a couple of years ago. I don't know if his wife is calling the shots or one of his children are calling the shots, but you have it. You have the DeVos family. Then underneath that, you have Alex Martins. Then underneath that is where you have the front office, okay? So, like you just explained, Steve Clifford is gone. He was supposed to be a change. Before him, I can't remember who the head coach was. Uh, Boriega, who's in Charlotte right now, was coaching for a little while. You had Scott Skiles there for a little while. Before Scott Skiles, I can't remember who the coach was. Alex Martins has had probably six or seven coaches since he, because he's been in Orlando forever. He's probably had six or seven mm-hmm. coaches. He had, as far as front offices, the Milwaukee guys. Before that, he had Rob Hennigan, who did set the franchise back, I would say that. And then before that, you had Oda Smith. That's still all on Alex Martin's watch. So that's the last 10 years of magic front offices there. So if I'm the Vos family, I'm looking at Martin's and I'm saying, hey, in the last 10, 10 years, we've had three different front offices. We did, we did get one finals run out of it, but we had three different front offices six or seven head coaches. We even have a farm system in Lakeland. You mean to tell me you can't get better talent in here? Because let's not forget about the farm system in Lakeland. So it's just like, what's the disconnect? What's going on? So if you have a guy, think about it like this. If you have a guy who's working under no pressure, if the DeVos family isn't putting pressure on him to put a winner on a court, he's free to do whatever he wants. All I'm saying is that he needs to have a little pressure put on him. You need to have a winner in this time frame or else. That's how the conversation needs to go, period. Mm-hmm. So let's just use San Antonio or Miami as an example. Miami is right down the road. You have Mickey Arison, you have Pat Riley, and then you have the front office. Who's the face of the franchise? It's not the owner. Pat Riley is the face of the franchise. Therefore, all the pressure is on him to produce a winner. Like you said, no one expected the Heat to go to the finals last year. The Miami Heat, no matter what team they have, are competitive every single year. Even when we blow it up, we're competitive every single year. Why can't Alex Martins do that in Orlando? He's had years. To, he's, he's had over 10 years to do this. Why hasn't he been able to do it? And the, the few times he's had it, it got blowed up. Oda Smith blew it up. Rob Hennigan drafted anything that he thought was pretty and blew it up. And now the Milwaukee guys are blowing it up because they're like, okay, we've been here three years, but now we have to set it back again. Who's the constants in that in that picture? Is Alex Martins. That's the constant. We know people in Orlando are fed up. Only because we're right down the road. We know people in Orlando are fed up. We know people are calling for new ownership for the Magic. Maybe that has to happen for this organization to have some consistency as far as winning. I want the Magic to win. Trust me. (laughs) Trust me. I want them to win. I want them to be a good team. So I see this guy who's had this job, and he's great on the business end. He's great. I give him that. He's great. But you need a good basketball product as well. Because as great as you are on the business end, if your basketball product was well, your business end would be even better. And that's how they have to look at it. So from from ownership down to Alex Martins, there's no pressure. They need to sit yeah. that guy down. They need to sit that guy down and be like, look, you're in charge. You have three years to get us a contender. Three years. And, and when I mean by contender, I mean at least even a tight second round playoff matchup or a conference finals appearance. First round, ain't, we're done with first rounds. Steve Steve Clifford gave you first rounds two years in a row before you blew up the team. So we know you can do that. But pressure has to be put on that guy or he has to be out of a job. We see executives get fired all the time in the NBA. This guy's been in Orlando for damn near 20 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's been there for 20 years. Yeah, I can't argue with that. Like, um, I I mean, that's that's what I would want to do too. If I was, you know, 
if I was the ownership of the team at this point, like how much, how much leeway are you going to give him just because of these other things that have happened, you know, um, whether or not, whether or not they were his fault or not, you know, he was the decision maker to hire some people for a long time. So it's not like you gotta, you gotta hate him or anything, but it's just Mm -hmm. like, well, this just hasn't worked up to this point, you know, for whatever reason. And like I said, you can come up with a lot of different reasons. But, you know, yeah, it's just like at some point, I guess, time for some new blood and something else. Yeah. And they're, they're loyal. Like, I them. don't necessarily have a problem with him or anything. Like, it's just it just hasn't worked yet. So, yeah, like their loyalty to him is that he's one of the magic originals. Uh, I forgot what position he started at, but he's had multiple positions within that organization. So that's their loyalty to him. And that's fine. You can remove him from this position and make him a figurehead to do whatever, keep, you know, an ambassador to the team. You can still keep him within the franchise or you can keep his keep his current role and just bring in a basketball guy right next to him. Because, like I said, he's a great businessman. He's the magic has deep ties in Ireland, deep, deep, deep ties. And they do great for the community over there. But the basketball product hasn't been there outside of Shaq and Penny, outside of the White Howard and that crew. The winning hasn't been there. And that's at some point we see executives lose their job all the time for less, (laughs) for less. (laughs) At some point, he has to have pressure put on him to produce a winner. You can't just wait for a team to get lucky. You can't do that. Oh, well, we'll wait 10 more years and then we'll get lucky again. That's not how you do it. It's it's not. Um, It it makes me wonder, like, what other teams are doing, because it's like I don't pay attention to, like, say, the other teams that have been notoriously bad, like I don't mm-hmm. really know why the Kings can never get going or mm-hmm. uh, why even though the Knicks have all the money in the world, they only have a good team once every 20 years or something. It's like even compared to those teams, it's like I would rather have been a Magic fan through those eras than than those teams. It's like what exactly, you know, if it, if it seems so obvious – on, on how you put together a decent basketball product, then it's like, how do some of these other teams make any money at all when it seems like there's, like, no attempt almost? And like I said, I'm not, like, a fan of the Kings, so I can't tell you. I just know, like, they've had Vladi there for a, a while, right? Oh, he's in Sacramento. Has it changed anything? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it, he's a basketball guy, but he's just their GM, so I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, how do the teams that are notoriously always bad – how does it never work for them? Like, like a good example was the Kings. Like, they can never get anything going ever. It seems like and the entire time I've watched basketball, you know, even when they get a good rookie talent, he's gone within five years or whatever. Like, they can't do anything. So it's like, mm-hmm. what what's the reasoning? Some of these teams, like, is it just not money spending? Is it the wrong ownership? It just seems like eventually the team would either just move or well, you have- uh, get sold. You have different philosophies as far as how to build a team. So with Sacramento, Sacramento is actually similar to Orlando to where big time free agents will not come. They just they just won't come because the name of the organization has been soiled so bad. So that means you have to build it up homegrown. Um, You have to be able to draft well. So that's where Sacramento is messing up at. Buddy Hill is a good player. He's not a superstar. (laughs) Let's just be real. He's not an all-star. He's a good player. They need to draft better. We know that there are, and and I'm not not picking at the Magic, but we know the Magic have had some bad picks in the draft. One thing that the Magic will do, they will draft a great kid, a great character kid. They might not always draft the most talented kid. You get what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. you want to have good players and good people on your team, but I think this current uh, management style—that's who they go after more so. And then we, kn- God knows, we had Hennigan and his uh, his faults. You know, <laughs> I don't even like we talking know- about Hennigan. Look, I miss picking on Hennigan, but like I said, if, if the player won pretty enough, Hennigan wasn't going to draft him. We know that. And now there's like two him. people I'd fight on site, and Hennigan <laughs> might be one. <laughs> like for no yeah. reason, never met him before. But if I saw him, I'm like, I gotta hit, I gotta hit him in the face. <laughs> And then it's the same thing with the Knicks. So the Knicks, the Knicks have between between the Magic, Sacramento, and the Knicks. The Knicks have the most money. But 
their reputation was soiled because their front office was always in disarray. Big time free agents wouldn't, wouldn't want to come. So the money didn't need anything. So now you had to do homegrown building, which the Knicks aren't that good at. They just aren't that good at. So, but now here's the thing between the three teams right now, who has the brighter future? New York has, because they're the first one to get back to the playoffs and they have Tom Thibodeau there. They actually have stability there in New York. So New York's going to build off of this year. Sacramento's dead. Sacramento's dead in the water. Orlando's dead in the water until, but there, there has to be a spark. And there hasn't been a spark since the White Howard. Let's be real. Oladipo mm. and Peyton didn't work together. Isaac and Obama hasn't worked, even though Isaac's been hurt. Fultz, we still don't know because he's out. So mm-hmm. it's, t- it's tough. The Magic has had some bad breaks, but at some point, the finger has to turn to Alex Martins at some point. Because you, like mm-hmm. I said, you've gone through six or seven coaches. You've gone through three front offices. And you're still there. <laughs> it's, just like, it's like you're still there. It's like, come on. That's why I'm going to have to get a Cole Anthony shirt or something. Just just put all my support into that kid because he, he seems like he, he might have something. That might be – that right there might be a spark. But now here's the thing. What's going to happen when folks comes back? They play the same position. So now you have a situation, right? Because folks already – you just paid folks and then you went down with that ACL. Then you have Cole Anthony rise up. Might be an issue going forward. Um, folks might be the odd man out. But like I said, you have money tied into him. So Also, I mean – We'll have to see the dynamic those guys play together because where Fultz has been developing a slightly more consistent shot, um, he's still his main weapons are uh, crashing to the basket, dishing out. Okay, mm-hmm. he he plays more traditional point guard than what I you know Cole Anthony is a shooting guard to me. I mean I don't know what he was technically playing as when he would check into some of the games or whatever, but to me he's more of a shooting guard. If those guys can play the right way together, I don't see a problem with it. You know, we're comparing or when we say those they might have those issues, the the old tandem of Peyton and Aladipo come to mind. And the, a big problem with that was neither guys at, in the beginning, Aladipo wasn't known for knocking down jumpers either. Like he could hit shots, but right. neither one of those guys could shoot. That right. was a big right. problem. It's like, right. okay, well, Peyton can do his thing. But we have to have shooting. It, it, their styles were too similar. Um, this, I'm, I'm not saying it will work. I'm just saying it's worth a look to see if those guys can play together. Because there's no way with what you've seen that you, you bet against Cole Anthony right now. Uh, the odd man out for me would be Fultz in that situation just because he has been injured and, you know, blah, 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 whatever. I like him. I hope they don't come. They don't have that issue like they used to, but they very well could. And then we got. It depends who they try to draft. You know, mm-hmm. we've got we've got big young guys. We've got big mm-hmm. or we've got young guards. So at least two of them. So it's like, what are you gonna? You know, how's that dynamic gonna be? The only reason I thought the Stotts idea of having him come in might be okay at first would just be because he was able to start off with uh, Dame and McCollum being young. And despite them not being able to get to the finals, he was at least able to get that team competitive. Um, I, I don't know how competitive the Magic are going to be at first. We're going to be young. So I don't know realistically how many wins we're going to hope to get. But in terms of managing the personnel and the, the, the dynamics of a younger team, that guy, at least I know, he's done it over in another area and was able to at least figure out the situation enough for the team to get along and to play as right as they could together. You know, uh, yeah. I, I, Portland didn't have the right pieces, you know, so the Magic might not have the right pieces to be successful going forward, but I don't have like a lot of distrust or uh, I don't have confidence in that coach to not pull it off. So we'll see. But like, I don't know who a clear favorite to me would be to get that coaching job. I just know that uh, if they got stocks, it wouldn't be like the end of the world for me. You know, I I'd, I'd just, I'd give the guy a shot, but I don't know. Like the magic man, it, it's Stop. a frustrating team. 
to to root for it, but I I have hope in some of these young players going forward, yeah. and I, I like Cole. I hope him and Fultz can play well together because I want to see what Fultz can do if he can stay healthy. I don't want to write that kid off either. Uh, I, it's just a lot of questions. Yeah, Stotts is the safe pick, so I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. against the, the pick for Stotts. He's the safe pick. Fultz's injury could be a blessing in the stock disguise because he's not going to be doing as much crashing as he did before. Um, so now he can be more of a facilitator. He was already trending towards being that, but now he can be more of a facilitator for for Cole Anthony, who should play the two guard. What the Magic need to do, they need to draft a wing, not a big, they need to draft a wing, an athletic wing. Think of, think, think, think of a Jason Tatum. You know I'm not big on him, but that's the type of player that you need. That's who they wanted uh, your boy Aaron Gordon to be. Aaron Gordon, yeah. But he, we know why Hennigan drafted him. But he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't that. Okay, he wasn't that. Devin Booker could have been that. We we all know the Magic passed on Devin Booker. Devin Booker definitely was. Man, that. shut your mouth. A lot of teams passing on a lot of players. I don't want to talk but, about who we passed on. But that's the type. But that's the type of player that that you guys need to draft to complement those young guards. Um, if I was in the front office, that's what I would do. So let's see what they do. I think they're done with trying to draft the young bigs. God knows they need to be done with that um, because you're still going to have Isaac coming back. So we'll see what Isaac can bring. I think Bamba, that's done. Once once his rookie contract is up, that's that's it for him. Um, there is light. Isaac's the real talent. There. Yeah. Isaac's the one we're waiting on. Yeah, there, there's light at the end of the tunnel. But it, it just almost seems like, and to put a cap on it, it almost seems like the magic are the hamster in a little spinning wheel, and they just spin. They just run and just spin all the time and go in well, circles. I was, I was just going to say, it's like every time we think there's a light at the end of the tunnel, we just realize we're still in the tunnel. It's like right. Right. It, it's right. like really on paper a few times, we, we thought we were going to pull off like having a decent team. And like mm-hmm. like you said, yeah. You know, it sucks because we didn't make it out of the first round, but we made it to the first round a couple of times. And especially the last two years hurt with the injuries. Cause I really thought we could have had an okay team. Um, it's just what it is. Like there's no way around some of those injuries, but you have to, you have to have everything else right to consistently put yourself in a position to take right. advantage of those good teams. So right. it's like an, a law of averages. It's like, you have to make sure everything else is right because so much can go wrong with just the players. So you have to get better at taking better shots, basically. So we'll, <laughs> we'll here's see. My, here's my bold prediction. In two to three years, the Milwaukee crew will be out of Orlando and Alex Martins will still be running the team. Bold prediction. <laughs> we'll bold, bold prediction. All right. It's not that bold. You have 20 years of evidence to go with you. So it's a prediction. I don't think it's a bold one. Jesus. <laughs> bold prediction. The Heat don't take a shot at every single top-tier free agent and Look, think that they have a chance. Just like you said, you you have 20 years of history on your side. <laughs> That's going to be it for this week's episode, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Be sure to follow us on the hardwoodnation.net, our YouTube page, Hardwood Nation, and also Hardwood Nation on Instagram. Please like, share, and subscribe our content. We are out. Thank you, Bryce. Maybe this will get more than three views.